Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I am super excited to bring to you an amazing guest, Kyle Kruger. We've been talking for a minute before about so much stuff that we have in common from entrepreneur worlds to love of flying and, and air traffic control stuff. And I'm really, really excited to be able to dig into all of this with you guys. Um, I am streaming this live, as always, to the Success Center Facebook group. So if you want to be involved in this conversation while it's being recorded, go ahead and head over to Facebook, join the Success Center Facebook community, and you can be a part of the next one. Um, Kyle Kruger has this profound gift for bringing the right people together at the right time to create some powerful momentum in the world. He started his professional career after earning his bachelor's degree in the aviation industry as an air traffic controller and has his private pilot's license. He's an accredited real estate investor, a limited partner in syndications, and has a small, a small portfolio of single family rentals himself. He is the founder of the PAC, P-A-C-K mastermind group. He owns and operates operates four small businesses, one of which is a digital marketing company for realtors that hire him to get guaranteed closings through unique lead generation strategies. I am super excited to have Kyle on the show. Before I bring Kyle in, I just want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Design Your Life Mastermind. If you're looking for a group of people where you can connect with to be able to expand your perception of what's possible, to meet people who can prove all of those limiting beliefs in your mind wrong, and show you what you're actually capable of to explore resources that will allow you to have the life you want actually want to have click the calendly link in the description underneath this video let's jump on a call and let's start creating the life that you deserve to live with that being said let's go ahead and bring kyle into the show kyle man thank you so much for joining me i'm so excited yeah absolutely thanks for having me today i'm excited to be here Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So first of all, let's just um, get this out of the way because I tell people all the time, my um, uncle was a flight instructor and a um, mechanic. And so I grew up in planes. Like I, I don't have a memory where I wasn't flying. Where did this um, love of flying come from for you that caused you to get your pilot's license? Yeah, it starts back uh, when I was uh, quite young. Uh, my grandfather was a mechanic in the Air Force for, in World War II. Uh, so he was the first, uh, you know, like aviation professional in our family. Uh, came back from the war, ended up not doing anything more with aviation, but always would tell stories about it when I was a kid, you know, from the war. Um, and then when I got older, I was trying to figure out in uh, early high school, you know, what I wanted to do for going to college or, or anything like that. And I'm also was a Boy Scout at the time. And uh, at that time, there was a program called the Young Eagles program that would allow people to go fly in a small plane with uh, local pilots. 
And that was the first time I got to go in a small airplane. And I've been on commercial jets and stuff like that before. But being in that small plane just was so cool to me. I thought that was the, the world of experience. And, I, and that was the the bug that bit me that I was like, all right, I want to go into aviation. So I originally wanted to go to be a commercial pilot. And uh, before I went to college, I even spent the last uh, junior to senior year getting my private pilot's license. So I got that before I even went to college. And uh, when I did go to college, I started flying there and ended up realizing I didn't want to be a pilot. <laughs> there was some, some things that happened in college with uh, the instructors and all stuff like that that we ended up transitioning. And I uh, happened to fall into the air traffic control program. And that's where I ended up going from there and spent a 10-year career in that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. There's so much that is just blaring at me right now because of um, what this podcast is about, which is about defining your own idea of success and really just being able to have the strength to identify what it is you want and then go after it. And I think back to all of the moments that I missed because to me, you success was academic achievements, right? And so this idea of loving to fly, all the things that, you know, that eight-year-old self loves to do, and then you convince yourself that you can't do those things and make a living, and then I've got you in front of me. That's <laughs> like, and it's really interesting to hear you say, like, I did this and then I realized it's not what I wanted to do, and now you're changing. And I think that that's a super important thing too, is like, we're, we have this school system right now that makes people think like, okay, you're 10, you can say words now, what do you want to be when you grow up and you have to do it forever, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So for you, what, um, what was the biggest driving force for you to say, okay, I've loved my career and it's time for me to move on? What, what did that transition look like for you? Yeah, for me, it just got to a point where, um, you know, it did it, it been a 10 year aviation career and it just got to a point where stop being exciting, you know, like as much, you know, you kind of hit that like glass ceiling a little bit, you feel in your career. And I think every professional that's in a highly technical field eventually gets to a point where it becomes routine. Right. And you just like, even though it's like an exciting job that when you talk to other people about, you know, whether you're talking about a doctor, or you're talking about an, an attorney, a court attorney, or you're talking about anybody like, oh man, it's so exciting. And like, everyone's like in awe about it. But for you that do it every day and after you've done it for five, 10 years, 15 years, stuff like that, it's like, it becomes a routine. And for me, uh, like I pivoted in college, you know, it's like where I got older and now I'm starting to pivot myself, you know, and that's where I went on this journey a couple of years ago uh, that kind of started transitioning out of the aviation career into more the entrepreneurial and investor realm. Uh, cause I got also sick of paying taxes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Isn't as, that yeah. the truth? Yeah. So like, and we all think it, you're one of the first to say it, but we all think it right. Like all of the tax breaks that you get from being a small business owner or an entrepreneur are amazing. Absolutely. You know, and that's one of the things that kind of really bothered me, you know, you work so hard and anyone that's a higher paid professional, you look at your paycheck, you look at that gross pay that comes in, you're like, wow, <laughs> I made a lot of money this month. And you're like, wait, what actually hit my bank account? <laughs> like half of what yeah. I actually <laughs> made. I are you, you know? <laughs> um, are you a Friends fan? Uh, I've seen episodes. I'm not a quoter. So yeah. I just, I can't, it always blares at me when I have this conversation where Rachel gets her first paycheck um, and she's like, I got my first paycheck and it was totally not worth it. Who's FICA <laughs> and why are they taking all my money? Um, and I just, it's so funny. So um, I think that that's really interesting on multiple levels because we have this relationship with failure that thinks that if we shift 
that first thing is, oh my gosh, are people going to think that I failed? And that transition, like you said, of like, nothing's going to be passionate for us forever. Nothing's going to fulfill us forever. And we need to have that variety and that permission to kind of change a little bit. Um, is that something that you feel like you were raised with or was it, was there that academic side of you that was like, Hey, I need to stick this out. Um, it's definitely something that I'd say I'm kind of unique, uh, you know, especially from a like family perspective, you know, my dad was, uh, you know, a 30 plus year carpenter, you know, my mom was a 30 plus year teacher you know, and kind of my sister's the same way. And my, my grandfather, he was a plumber for 30, you know, so I'm the, I'm the oddball that's now pivoted, you know, a couple of times, you know, in my professional life. And even as a kid, uh, and it's, I've come down to the simple messages uh, that I preach today is breaking free of your echo chamber, you know, and, and people get into their, you know, their bubbles of what messages they hear all the time, they get comfortable in their routines, but there's just such a huge world out there that, most people don't even scratch the surface of experiencing. And that's something that for me just doesn't sit well. So I'm always like looking at new opportunities. I'm always looking at pivoting and always evolving as time goes on. Cause unless you're evolving and growing, I feel like that's living, you know, when you kind of start getting stagnant and stuff like that, I feel like you slowly are starting to die inside a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So when you say echo chamber, I know what comes to my mind and I'm yeah. like, Oh my gosh, I love this phrase. So for somebody out there that might be thinking, man, I've never heard this before. Like what does echo chamber mean? Like what, what do you, how would you describe that to somebody? Yeah, the echo chamber is really your environment that you're in and the messages you hear or the things that you do on a daily basis. So you can look at it as your routine. It's the the radio show that you listen to every day that has a certain type of tone or message to it, it seems all the time. Um, the television shows you watch, you know, all those different kinds of things that as you're going through life, you know, you're going to always hear the same messages. And it's kind of been... Um, brought to light more in pop culture, the idea of an echo chamber, because uh, social medias typically do kind of cage you into an echo chamber a little bit. So they have algorithms that run that if you're someone that is more conservative and you uh, like a lot of conservative people and stuff like that, they show you more conservative people to keep you engaged on the platform. And it's gotten a bad rap over time now because the social media are so good at it um, that it's, you know, that's kind of, come to light, but that's essentially creating an echo chamber for yourself. So to break free of it is having those conversations and exposing yourself and having an intelligent, not an angry conversation with someone that's opposed view to you uh, to then have a conversation to kind of change your ideas and not sort of change your ideas, but make sure that you understand why you believe what you do and that it's not something that uh, you just believe it because that's what you've always been told, you know, yeah, I, I love that. The idea of challenging your your ideas and challenging why you do the things you do. Like, have you done it just because this is what you've always done? Like, I think that that's really fantastic. Um, and this is one of the biggest things that I think most people who are going to be listening to this podcast can really relate to is like being raised thinking that the world is supposed to exist a certain way, right? And then you surround yourself with people that prove that right. You surround yourself with people that are in the corporate world. You surround yourself with people who are highly educated that value education and that are risk averse. And then you start to meet these people that are living a life that you didn't know was possible. That's exactly what happened to me. I went to a conference and I was like, 
whoa, like, wait a minute. You're telling me <laughs> that I can make money talking to people. Like you're telling me that I don't, I don't have to like write a brief and then like argue it and then spend, like have a file that's like 700 pages long. Like I can just get on the phone and talk to people and, and change lives and make money. And that was something I had never been exposed to before. So this idea of an echo chamber, like finding that person who is a polar opposite to you, and, and picking their brain a little bit and saying, hey, like, why do you believe what you believe? Why do I believe what I believe? I think that's so amazing. Yeah, that's something that's definitely lacking in our world today. I think everyone can agree with that is, you know, we have kind of usually two sides of every argument and and it just becomes a conflict in the middle instead of having, a, uh, say, an adult conversation with each other and, <laughs> and not yeah. get angry about it. And it doesn't matter what side you're on. It doesn't matter. And I think everyone could, if you step back and look at it, like, is that sane like it's not sane you know being yeah. able to just like yell at each other because your one view is you know different than another person's view it, it doesn't pre-progress there's no compromise anymore there's no like working together as a human race to like get better and uh that's definitely lacking in the world so that's something that was personally bugs me a little bit so yeah i hear you <laughs> it's so crazy because i just did a facebook live about this on my personal page and um have you seen the videos that are out there of people teaching their dogs to talk through buttons no, I am okay. not. All right. So this like really opened my mind to communication because it was a girl who was a speech pathologist. She got a dog. She saw correlations between her puppy and how people communicate when they're starting to form words as toddlers. And then she started teaching her dog the same way she would teach like a nonverbal autistic child that should be developing language function. And, um, people started asking her, hey, do you treat your dogs to do this? And she says, no, because then you're just teaching them to say what you want them to say so they can get food. You're not teaching them what the buttons actually mean. And so as I started to prepare to get these buttons for my dog, I started having these flashbacks to how we communicate as people, like going into a situation and saying, okay, what does this group of people want me to be? Who do they want me to to be? What do they want me to say? How do I get out of this? And then on the, on the inverse of that, being that person that goes into a conversation, believing that you already have both sides of that conversation figured out and just like prepping to do this with my dog has like really opened up the way that we communicate as humans. Yeah, no, that's a very interesting concept. Yeah, I haven't heard of that before with the dog, but I can definitely see how that would be you know, because every situation you go into, you you maybe have a preconceived notion of what you expect the other person to say or or how they're going to feel about something. And instead of going with an open mind, um, you know, people always say, you know, God gave you two ears and only one mouth. You know, <laughs> you're supposed to be listening, you know, more than you're talking. Um, so that's, yeah, definitely a very interesting concept. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's been on my mind. And then we start talking about this and perceptions and it's like, holy cow, it goes hand in hand of, you know, you can't grow and you can't get out of that echo chamber until you're willing to communicate with people in a way that you haven't communicated with them in the past. Absolutely. And I feel it's something that you have to be conscious of too, and actually seek out, you know, I mean, a lot of times people, because they're in the routines where they go to work or where they go to you know church or whatever the case is that you go to the same gathering places with the same type of people all the time uh, that you have to actually be mindful of this and you need to go out and listen to different shows, or you need to like go out to new uh, conferences or, or new places to go on vacation or go to a country you've never been before, or, you know, actually purposely take the steps to do it. And I think people would do that more, uh, their lives would greatly be impacted by it. 
Oh my gosh. I love this conversation so much. So <laughs> is this kind of the way that you were raised? Is your family very open-minded and growth mindset as well? Or are you kind of the anomaly in your family? I'm kind of an anomaly a little bit. Uh, it, you know, like I, they've been super, the one thing I will say about my family, while they may have certain beliefs that they've kind of got rooted in, they've been extremely supportive of letting me spread my wings and, and explore and try different new things, uh, which that is all I can, anyone can ask for um, as a parents or as a, as a child um, is just to be given that freedom to do it. Um, yes, someone can have a particular view, but as long as you give the freedom of the other person to to explore and find their own way or find their, whether they agree with you or disagree with you on it, they'll come to their own conclusions on it. Uh, so that's definitely something that has been u- unique and I'm very grateful for. Um, my wife tells me all the time, sometimes she's like, I don't know how sometimes, you know, <laughs> you're like so different than, you know, it's parts of your family. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, you know, how it worked out. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So you're in this aviation field, you're doing air traffic controller stuff. Um, and I love how I just put that up. Never mind. Um, air traffic controller just became like a thing instead of a profession in my head. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm like, you're doing all that air traffic controller stuff. So anyways, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> uh, it's a thing. Um, so what was the first steps that you started to take? Was it the real estate investing that you started in first? Was it the masterminds? Where did you kind of start to dabble first before you decided to? Yeah. So at, when I, even before, like when I was in college, I always did stock trading. Uh, so that's where kind of like doing different stock trading and investing is where kind of got the first initial investment bug bitten for that. And it got to where, you know, probably two, three years ago, I started getting more interested in real estate, uh, started having enough capital to where I was like, all right, I can take this seriously and start getting into some real estate investing and just learning more, um, specifically what I kind of talked about earlier, the tax code. Um, and really it got frustrating for me and any, I'll say higher paid professional, typical investment vehicles you have is your 401k, your Roth IRA, you know, and, and those are really all you have. And besides a brokerage account that most people use, like you talk to Joe Blow, you know, public, that's what they use. And I was like, why is my money going to be locked up for the next 35 years or so before I'm able to touch it when I can get the same types of tax breaks or like everything now today that theoretically in the next five years, I can now actually start using that money and living off that money in five years, not 35 years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's where um, I kind of made that you know, mindset switch and now focusing on more techniques and strategies that I can use tomorrow instead of those the ones that the the public, you know, the, the public media, you know, basically say like, nope, you know, save away as max as you can in your 401k and 35 years, then you can use it, you know, like that's insanity to me. Uh. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I'm thinking, yeah, I've never thought about it in the money concept before, sure. but in the idea of the social change that's happened around your, your career, um, 35 years ago, it was, it doesn't really matter because you're not supposed to enjoy work. Like if you would have had a conversation with your parents or your grandparents about being unfulfilled at work, they'd have been like, I don't understand what these two things have to do with each other. Right. Yeah. So that idea of, I'm just going to bust my ass. I'm going to work. I'm going to put money away. And in 35 years, I'll be able to have the life that I finally want to have. And then generationally that shifted to forget that I get to work and love my life at the same time. Give me my damn money. Right. Yeah. So I think that it's so funny 
showing how those the way that we're investing correlates with the change in the social acceptance of how much you should live while you're working. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and to me, it all comes down to education. Uh, you know, it's just that the public message that you're given for media is that, you know, put in your 401k, put in your Roth IRA, you know, that's how you save for the rent, you know, for retirement, you know, have your emergency fund and stuff. And that's about it's stay out of debt, right? Those are like the the main concepts that are always said. And, and that was something that I had to learn from those that are wealthy, uh, that are in the 1%, that that's not what they do, guys. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's learning those techniques and strategies that they use uh, to then make that mindset change for myself and implement those techniques and strategies, which is why I have four businesses, you know, is, you know, between, you know, the digital marketing company, which brings an active income there. Um, I have an investment company that specifically is passive income that's with partnerships and syndications and stuff like that. Um, and then I had the real estate portfolio, you know, so that's again, active and passive at the same time, you know, through that. And then there's a management company over all of those. And so like those four businesses are how the wealthy, you know, use those techniques and strategies to eliminate taxes today so they can use that money tomorrow. Yeah. When I found out, when I heard for the first time that the average millionaire has seven income streams, I was like, what the hell? Because we <laughs> like, how, how? And then you start to realize how these pieces fit together when you jump into this space. And it takes an intense amount of, um, belief and just acceptance that everything will eventually work its way out. And you said something incredibly important and that's surrounding yourself with the 1%, right? Getting yourself around the people who have what you want, which is where the power of masterminds come in. So yeah. what was the driving force behind creating your mastermind and what's the purpose of it? Yeah, sure. That's just a great question. So it came out to where most of the mastermind groups I've been a part of for the last, I'll say five years have always been touted as a mastermind that was really group coaching. <laughs> and that was got very frustrating to me, you know, because it got to a point where I was listening to some of these other groups that were a true mastermind group uh, that were with the 1% and very high net worth individuals. The barrier to entry into a lot of those mastermind groups is very high. So even though you're somebody that is a higher earning professional, professional, most people are not going to go spend $25,000, $100,000 to go become part of a mastermind group. And I, for me, that was very frustrating. And I was like, well, if I can't set this up so that I can get the people that I want into these master groups, why don't I just start my own and make the barrier entry a lot lower? And, you know, it's not free because people that, you know, do it for free tend to not take it seriously. So that's why you just got to have some skin in the game. Um, but I set it up to be modeled off of some of the other mastermind groups I've heard of. So one of the ones is uh, Go Abundance. So anyone that's mm -hmm. heard of them. So Go Abundance is a fantastic organization that they, but one of their requirements is you have to be a millionaire. You have to have a million dollars in net worth to even enter into or even apply. <laughs> and that doesn't mean you're even necessarily going to get accepted. And for most people, are not millionaires. Uh, so even though they are very knowledgeable, they want to be surrounding themselves with those type of people, they're just not there yet. So mm -hmm. I've kind of made this to be kind of that like stepping stone mastermind group to get you then eventually into that level. So we talk about investing, we talk about entrepreneurship and small businesses. Um, and that's who it's kind of focused around. 
That's awesome. And I love the distinction between masterminds and group coaching because this is something that gets mixed up all the time. And it also leads to this confusion in value, right? If you have somebody, and, and this just goes back to communication again, if you have somebody that has a different idea of what a mastermind is to you than what you have when you create it, they get in and they're like, what the hell is this, right? This isn't what I wanted to be doing. I can go learn on my own or, or whatever that looks like. So yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting that you distinguished between the two. Um, so is the mastermind, um, is there a group coaching element to it or is it purely connection and, and what does it look like a little bit? Sure. Yeah. The format that we use for our meetings is that it's very much a hot seat format. Um, so typically a meeting will run for about two hours. And in that two hour period, we would break everyone up into small groups of about eight people uh, per group. And that gives everyone about 15 minutes per person. And the goal of it is that every meeting you would show up and we were doing them at the time weekly. And I'm thinking about changing that to maybe bi-weekly here in the future, but at the time we were doing it uh, weekly to where you would come in, you'd each person would have time to speak that they would talk about what their goals were that they just worked on this last week. Um, so I guess I should step back a second. So the first meeting, you would state what goals you were going to do for the month, right? So you would have these goals for the month that you would be working towards. And as you would state these goals to the group, we would record them. So you'd be recorded of what you're committing to getting done that month. And as you would come back week after week, you would bring up what challenges you're having reaching that goal and then where you are reaching that goal and you get feedback from the rest of the group on how to over overcome those challenges. And one of the powers of this mastermind group is that because it's focused around small business owners and entrepreneurs, I purposely put different industries together in the mastermind group. So this is not just for real estate agents. It's not just for accountants, right? You're getting set in a room with marketers, business people, uh, therapists, uh, <laughs> you know, like accountants. So like there's different people that are in the group. So now when you bring up a challenge, whether it's financial sales, marketing, whatever the case is, other people have probably solved that problem already in their business and you just haven't yet. So they're going to be able to give you that unique feedback to take action on. And then the next week you would come back again, check in, say, this is what worked, this is what didn't work, whatever the case is, and then basically recap that. So that's kind of the format that we use for it. That's awesome. And those hot seats are so important. And the idea of different industries is so important because of that perception that we were talking about previously. So I think that that's really cool. If people want to check out more about that mastermind or learn more about what you have going on in that area, what's the best place for them to go? Absolutely. So we have a website set up that you can go to invite.thepackmastermind.com. I know Amber will have that in the show notes for you. Uh, but yeah, you can uh, go to that website. You can book a call with me and I'll be happy to speak with you about the mastermind group or the digital marketing company as well. If that's what you're into. I love it. So let's look at the future here for just a minute. What's something that's coming up that either you're working on that you want to talk about or something that um, personally or professionally you're super excited for in the future? Yeah, I guess the, the biggest thing uh, coming up here is uh, with the Wolf Marketing, a digital marketing company, we're going to be doing a new launch of a big package that we're going to be putting together um, that it's for realtors or real estate agents. And what we do is we uh, guarantee closings for you uh, that uh, for the closings are going to be 
we vet the process. So this is where we're unique is instead of just being a lead generation company where we just like send you a list of 150 leads, uh, we actually vet them with an inside sales team before even putting them in contact with you on your calendar. Uh, so one of the big pain points of realtors is, you know, you know, finding new qualified leads to get listings with and also uh, vetting those people that are actually serious about buying or selling a home. And so we kind of eliminate that headache of the process and get you in contact with people that are, you know, qualified and ready to go. So that's a big package that we're putting together doing a masterclass with one of my friends uh, on that. And that'll be launching here in about a month or so. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. Um, so let's switch gears for just a minute and let's talk about the success element of this because one of the most powerful questions anybody ever asked me is what does success mean to you? And then as I really dug into the mindset work that I've done, I started to believe that we don't actually stumble across success. We actually create it by being intentional about everything that we do. And you can't create it if you haven't defined it. So for you, what does success mean to you on a macro level and on a micro level? Sure. Uh, from a macro level, it's, for me, it, it's unique to everyone. So everyone has their own definition, but there isn't one universal definition of success. And honestly, it's what makes you happy. So what makes you happy? And and for me, going down to a more micro level, I, I would say in my life, there's, there's areas that I say I'm very successful in, but then there's other areas that there's still a lot of room for improvement. So when I look at my life as a whole, I say, when I say I'm successful, yes, absolutely. Uh, but there's areas definitely for improvement with it. Um, you know, which is why, you know, people that if you're in a profession that you're looking to make a change, you know, you might have a great family, you know, and you have some great kids, stuff like that. So you're very successful in that, but maybe you're not as happy with the, the professional side. So that doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean that you're not successful. It's just, there's areas that you still need for improvement or want to improve in for yourself to reach that happiness in all aspects of your life. Yeah, I think that that's really important for people to remember because we start to look at some of the things that aren't going the way that we want in areas of our life and we convince ourselves that we failed at everything, right? Um, so I think that that's really important. Um, you mentioned happy. So I'm curious for you, is happiness and fulfillment the same thing or are they different? It's a very good question. Um, I guess I would have to say that they would be the same. Okay. Uh, for me, they would have to be the same. And, and the reason why I say that is to be happy would be fulfilled in that moment of what you're doing or what's happening at the time that you're comfortable with and like happening the way that you want it to happen or surprised you in an upside way, you know, to, to be that way. So for me, it's kind of the, the very similar. Like I, I'm sure there's ways that you could probably define it maybe a little differently. But uh, for me, I guess you could say they're kind of one and the same. Yeah, I like, I, and the reason I ask this is because I'm, I'm, I mean, you're going to be episode 198 of my podcast and I have sure. 198 definitions of this stuff, which <laughs> I think is intriguing because we grow up thinking that success is this textbook definition that we all need to have. And then we start to realize everybody looks at it differently and there are components everywhere. So I love this. I love this conversation. Um, one of the most interesting things for me in this entrepreneurial journey is the willingness to step in to this black abyss of terrifying, uncomfortable, unknown zone and allow yourself to stay calm. And I don't have any training in the air traffic control because I, I didn't go down that road. Everything that I know about it, though, is that it is this incredibly stressful position 
profession. So how much do you think that your training in that has allowed you to stay calm in the unknowns of entrepreneurship? I think it's helped a lot, actually. Uh, and the things that I would point to is, you know, for being an air traffic controller, uh, you get put in a situation that you have to perform 100% in the most unique situations daily. Um, you know, most of the time, you know, we get paid very well. And probably 90% of the time, it's a normal day, you know, just the normal routine goes through. But on that 10% of the time, it gets crazy. And that craziness, while we're able to succeed and why air traffic and aviation is the safest way to travel is all the repetition and preparation that goes into prior to those moments happening. And that happens through training uh, where you take reps, right? It's reps after reps after reps. Um, it's knowledge. It's learning the rules. It's learning the way things perform. It's it's deep diving on the particular subjects that are going to affect those outcomes and learning all the different aspects of it. And then just having the confidence built up over time that now that you've learned all the knowledge and techniques and you've performed a day in and day out for a long period of time, that now when those crazy situations come up, you have the confidence to know you can get yourself out of them. And, and that's something that being an entrepreneur translates very well, that when you're going into a new industry, like for me, uh, doing the digital marketing is actually a relatively new venture for me. Uh, and that's something that I've, I've now surrounded myself with experts that have then passed on that knowledge in the process right now of doing all those reps, right? To now when now a unique situation comes up where all of a sudden the Facebook algorithm changes or all of a sudden, like whatever the case is, I've done enough reps now that when those little changes happen, I can just learn the new tweak that they're having and then get right back to it again. Uh, so it's something that it all comes into the preparation and then having the confidence to then go forward and execute on that preparation. Yeah, that's, that's really important. And um, there's so many people out there that are listening to this. And I know because I used to be one of them that are saying, I just don't know how to price my stuff. Like it's so, it seems so easy for me. Right. And what you just said about 99% of the time, it's a regular day, but what you're getting paid for is that 1% of the time that it's not a regular day and, and the results that you are able to create in that moment. And so I think that that's something really powerful that I want people to hear again, that when you're out there pricing your services, it's what like, I'm an immigration attorney. Anybody can fill out forms, but what happens when those forms go wrong? Like that's what they're paying me for, right? And I think that that's such an interesting distinction. Yeah, and absolutely. And that goes back to the same point too. And I loved, I've seen these, uh, you know, different meme cartoons on it and stuff like that. It's not the amount of time that you spend maybe with a particular client that you got to frame the pricing in, right? It's for all the years of training, all the reps that you've done previous to that, that have led to that moment for you to be able to execute efficiently and effectively in five minutes or 10 minutes yeah. to do it right compared to like in the use example in the uh, the picture of like a, a plumber right like a plumber comes into a person's house they got leak water coming all over the place guy takes one wrench and moves one screw and it's like it stops the leak right and it's like well, i'm not going to pay you 300 for it it's like yeah but if i wasn't here you wouldn't have known what screw to turn you know and it's like that's from the years and years of, of practice and understanding how things work and learning and repetition it's not the execution that necessarily you're pricing. 
Yeah. And also, you know, I have a, a friend that does video editing and, and things like that. And I'll always ask him, like, how much is this going to cost? And he'll say, oh, it's not going to take me very long. And I said, look, you're my friend and I'm I'm not going to go down that road, but for everybody else, no, no. Uh, my answer to him is always, you know, it's not about how much time it takes you. It's about how much time it would take them and what their time is worth, right? Because you've been doing this for 25 years. So of course you can do it in a keystroke. You could probably do it in your sleep, but it's going to take me two and a half hours to edit like a 45 second video. And I'm going to get frustrated and upset. And then my entire day is going to be shit. And I'm going to go, you know, margaritas and tacos. <laughs> so like, to me, it's worth my entire day to have you do it. And I think that this is a really interesting shift that entrepreneurs begin to have of, you know, we don't want to exchange our time for money. So we leave working for somebody and then we go work for ourselves, and we exchange our time for money. Yes. It's interesting. No, that, yes, it's very interesting. And that's where people always make the joke with entrepreneurs. Like I left one boss to have a hundred, you yes. know, and it, and it is funny when you, when you think about it that way. And I, I actually really like how you just put that, you know, with, you know, how much is it going to take the other person to do it? You know, and yeah. that's a great, it's a great way, uh, reframe in your mind to say like, well, how long is it going to take this person? It might take them a week. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, to get what you just got done in an hour, it'll take that person a week, you know, and that's something that from a reframe perspective, um, I think would help a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So when you're talking about when you're identifying which way you want to go next, when you're looking at these spinning plates of, you know, family and your businesses and all of the things that you have to get done, um, it's inevitable to have, this is why I don't like the word um, work-life balance because it's inev inevitable that things are never going to be completely balanced. But how do you personally make sure that you're staying in tune with yourself enough to know when something's starting to slip before it hits this critical mass point? For me, it comes down to the goals. Um, and that's something that my my wife would <laughs> argue with me, I'm sure, on a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that it's, you know, right now that there is an imbalance, you know, right? You know, because there has been a transition period, new ventures and stuff that's been going on. So definitely from a family perspective in my life right now, I'm kind of more leaning towards the business entrepreneurial side and not spending as much time with them. Uh, but then it's also thinking about the goals and re reverse engineering those goals to get to the ultimate goal that you're working on. And that's that's where I stay the course because my ultimate goal is to have enough passive income that I'm not working. Right. And I'm able to spend 75% of my day with who I want, when I want, where I want to, and, and maybe just have a couple hours out of my day doing maintenance on, you know, particular items, you know, that, you know, I have going on at the time. So for me, it's knowing that I'm putting the work in now to reap the, the benefits in the, in the future. And, and it, I know it's tough right now. A lot of people are going through the grind and, and trying to get through, over that hump. Uh, but you just look around, there's many people that make it over that hump and live the life that they want. And it's just staying the course and keep working towards it. And that's what keeps me going.
and now is my per myself there so if i could go back to like 10 years old uh kyle yeah. uh, go well, yep. the, whatever my, whatever my would works. Be, mine would be go back a uh, 10 year old kyle and tell him all the knowledge that i've learned i love it i love it because uh, be oh i love it <laughs> so i was at a songwriting event i i love going because i love vulnerability and authenticity i love going and listening to songwriters talk about songs that they've created and um there was a guy that was there talking about how um, his place that he would want to go if he could go back anywhere would be to go back and listen to all the things that his grandpa said to him when he wasn't listening. Mm. And I thought, ouch, like how much do we need to hear that? So to go back and say, Hey, 10 year old Kyle, here's what you need to know. Like that's, yeah. I, I love that answer. Um, you've done a lot of stuff. You've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, other than what you're doing now, what profession do you think it would be fun to attempt if skill and knowledge was not an issue? Oh, boy. Man, another great question. I haven't thought about that, actually. Because I probably would try to do it. it. I would That's actually try to do it. That's the best thing a podcast host <laughs> can hear. Yeah, I would have to say, um, man, without skill or anything, man, that's that's a really tough question. Um I think if I had all my needs met, I'd think I would just be um, a camp counselor. In regards, and this, and it, there's a special distinction there on that one. Would be a high adventure uh, camp counselor, which that's something I've always wanted to do here. Um, so I was a Boy Scout growing up. Uh, to me, summer camp was amazing, and I think to have um, a high end uh, summer camp uh, for youth to go to that has a mix of high ed uh, high adventure within a lot of these entrepreneurial and financial concepts also taught in like a two week program uh, for it. So you'd be teaching leadership you'd be teaching, you know, like the financial concept, business concept, but then tacked into it, you know, the canoeing, the fishing, the high ropes course, you know, zip lines, all that kind of stuff. So that's it. amazing. So yeah. I did an interview and I'm going to send you the link for it with a guy sure. named Bill Dorfman and he's in California and he actually hosts one of those in LA and he's always looking for camp counselors. So oh, I will awesome. like, I will, connect, <laughs> I will send you the episode and, and yeah. connect you. Cause that's like, I'm, he's glaring in my mind right now. Um, Cause I remember when he told me about it the first time I was like, Holy cow, this is fantastic. And then you say it again. And I was like, man, this thing's real. Um, resources, books, resources in the business, entrepreneur, personal development space. What's the book you've recommended the most? Ooh, um, I, I could do the generic one. If you're, if you're new to finances, Rich Dad Poor Dad is the, is an absolute must. Um, if you've never read it before, that's a very simple read, gets you the basic financial concepts. Uh, so that would be a universal one. Uh, if you're someone that's a little more advanced, uh, Toby Mathis with Infinity Investing. Uh, would be the next one I would point you to because um, now it's a little more advanced concepts, but he gets into tax structures and also um, how to create wealth for yourself for infinity uh, compared to like living off principle. So, so you might two, two, uh, two books. Amazing. And my last question, because we've already determined I'm a music nerd. Um, sure. And so this is purely selfish because my playlist <laughs> needs some help. What's your pump up song? Oh man, another good one. Um, lately, honestly, you're gonna probably laugh. Ava Max, Kings and Queens, man. Uh, that really, is a, I will like. It's been on the radio a lot, and it like even last night I was driving home and popped on the radio, and I just was like, man, I love this song, and I just <laughs> <laughs> and just turned it up, you know. And it's 
And that's do you ever have those moments like where you're listening to something and you are jamming out and you're like, this is the best thing ever. And then you get to a stoplight and you're like, let me turn this down. So nobody knows that I'm listening to this. <laughs> uh, I don't even care at this point. I don't even care at this point. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Kyle, I am so glad that we had the opportunity to connect. I'm so thankful for the introduction from the PodMax team. And I look forward to continuing to connect with you and building um, collaborations and relationships in the future. Absolutely. No, it's been a great time. Thank you, Amber, for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that's that sounds like something that you're interested in. The name of that Facebook group is Success Center. Head over there, request to join, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.